The Spatial Gem, an Esri UK podcast. The journey for indoors, it's going to become so integrated with our life. You have that positioning information independent of what kind of Esri ArcGIS software you're using. Geography provides a glue to link all these systems together. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Spatial Jam podcast where we talk about all things GIS from emerging tech trends to the latest Esri product releases. On today's episode we're tackling the topic of indoor mapping, a technology that has always involved itself in the spatial conversation but perhaps has never owned the spotlight. That is until recently where the last few years have seen a boom in indoor mapping technology. Unfortunately, for today's episode, I'm joined by two special guests to help us understand what indoor mapping actually looks like. It's an all Esri panel today, with Ben Flanagan joining us from the Esri UK product comms team with a knowledge of how our UK customers are really benefiting from indoor technology. Our second guest, Rainer Wolfsberger, joins us from Vienna, Austria, as part of the Esri Global Service Delivery Team, who again focuses on the development of indoor tech particularly the product ArcGIS Indoors. So hopefully between the two of you, we'll have an abundance of information to explore in today's episode. Uh, And thanks again, both for joining us. So before we dive into the details of indoor mapping, I I really wanted to just understand a bit more about both of your backgrounds um, with with indoor mapping. So starting with you, Ben, um, what is your relationship to indoors and how has it led you to this point? Well, first off, nice to be on the podcast, Sam. Thanks for having me along. Um, yeah, you gave me a really good introduction. Um, I'm the product owner for uh, indoor mapping technologies in Esri UK. And what that really means is I work with Esri employees, um, customers and partners on a daily basis to understand how customers can benefit um, from indoor mapping tech that we provide um, to help them run uh, their facilities, run their organizations more efficiently um, with our location services. Mm-hmm. And Reiner, similarly, similar question to you. Um, what is your relationship with indoors? And again, like how, how has it got to you to this point? Yeah, thanks, Sam. I, I do love that question because I'm really an indoors enthusiast, you can say. And um, in, in a previous business life, I was already involved a lot with uh, positioning and navigation issues. So um, at a certain point uh, when uh, a couple of guys who just started up a little company called Indoors GmbH, uh, when they um, asked me if I could take over the uh, managing position there in the company to, you know, um, bring a little bit of gray hair in there. You know, they were all young guys, enthusiastic with lots of knowledge, but uh, it, it needed some kind of concept how to run the company. So that was a great moment uh, for me to say, well, that makes me 20 years younger. I'm going to jump in there and I'm going to be part of that team. And that was like 10 years ago or so. And um, yeah, from then on, we made really nice progress. And a couple of years when we were then acquired by Esri and became part of the big Esri family, the whole thing really skyrocketed. Uh, do, do you say that? Skyrocketed, I think. Yeah, we, yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, so Reiner, you're the, you're the Gandalf for elder statesman of indoor mapping on this call then. <laughs> You're the uh, the person to look to. Oh, that makes me feel great when you say that, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that, that leads very nicely into the next question, uh, because before we talk about indoors where it is today, I really want to understand a little bit of history of uh, the relationship between indoors and GIS. So, Ben, I was going to come to you first about sort of how you've uh, experienced indoors and the sort of progress of it over the last 
well, 10 years or plus? Yeah, no, sure. It's a good question to start with. Um, I think it's worth taking a step back from GIS and just thinking about mapping in general, um, you know, over the past two decades. The, the rise in digital mapping globally from you know, big players like Google and Apple and Bing, OpenStreetMap, you know, the, the, the list goes on. All of these organizations and Esri are part of that as well, have been spending um, vast amounts of cash and time surveying the whole globe, you know, investing in using satellite imagery, people on the ground, um, to capture information from, from anywhere from vast river deltas all the way down to street furniture, you know, and now we can use these maps um, and we we rely on them on, you know, as part of our daily lives to get real time information about local amenities and, and places we want to visit uh, and we become dependent on them. But until recently, lots of the spaces on these maps remain blank, you know, these big vast areas and they were the buildings on the maps, you know, shopping centers, uh, airports, uh, all these places that we use. Uh, and our indoor uh, and our mapping software that we use on our, our apps on our phone um the navigation and information used to stop at the entrance to an airport you know you you want to get a flight to uh, the us or wherever you're going in the world you get to the airport and then the navigation stops or the the information stops uh, and really you know led by apple and google in the consumer mapping space these companies have been spending the last five years or so heavily investing in mapping the internals of of facilities and buildings so that we can have that seamless um, navigation from outdoors to indoors. And actually, in the future, you won't refer to it as indoor mapping and outdoor mapping. It'll just be mapping. It just so happens to be inside and, and outdoors. And I'm sure uh, Reiner can touch on a few things. Ben, you know, I so much appreciate what you just said, because uh, it's uh, exactly also my feeling that we should not even make the difference anymore between indoors or outdoors. Um, for us, it's just important that we, at any time uh, when we are moving around, have a clear knowledge uh, on the whereabouts. Um, I mean, you know, we are living in an IoT society uh, already. So all the data that is shared, all the data that is available, um, that is usually and uh, typically also very successfully linked with the geospatial component as well. Now, I mean, I'm asking you, why shouldn't that be exactly the same thing if you are indoors? Why should that only work outdoors? Well, the answer is easy. It's a question of technology. Because in the past, when we were thinking about the Google or Apple uh, map services that we saw, uh, the guidance came uh, from the satellites. We have that GPS system out there. and uh, But uh, the point here is um, that is something that doesn't reach the indoors space usually when you are in a garage like three floors um uh, under uh, on, on the ground floor then i mean there is no satellite signal that you can receive so it took a while until technologies developed to that point where it was possible also to um uh, to make use of that for getting a good positioning and Basically, then the miracle only lies in the fact that you link the position to other information, to other data that you have. That's our standard GIS concept anyway. And I, and I was going to touch on that, actually. The, the, the kind of conversation you and Ben have just talked about, the, the more broader use of indoor mapping with you know, Google, Bing, etc. Uh, how have you seen GIS um, pick up the trends of indoor mapping? And are we seeing the same progress in GIS? or is it on a different journey? I would say it uh, did take maybe a little more time, and that is 
very logical if you think about it because uh, GIS typically is a very professional solution made by professionals for professionals. So um, you have to have uh, reliability. You have to, um, to make sure that things are uh, available and accessible at all time. It's not a consumer solution, uh, at least not initially, that we are talking about. So we have seen that in many other areas of technology, that technology first was adopted on the consumer side, and then when it reached a certain level of matureness, when it was ready, I would say, then uh, it was perfect also to be integrated in a professional GIS solution. Yeah. So Ben, we've just heard from Reiner about some of the more technical issues with uh, GPS when indoor mapping. Is there any other considerations? Yeah, so you know, Reiner gave a really good explanation of uh, GPS and the problems with connecting to satellites. Um, but it, there's there's some other um, more simplistic issues as well around just how we manage data inside a inside a building. You know, the notion of if you have an asset, let's let's say a desk or a table that has a relationship with the room it belongs to and the floor which you know that belongs the, the, that room that room belongs to so it might be a meeting room that happens to be on floor two of a building and then that has a relationship with the building so there's, in, there's these inherent relationships uh, with you know assets uh, locations floors and buildings um, and, and to manage that in the ArcGIS system we have something called the ArcGIS indoors information model and it's a data, it's essentially a data schema uh, with relationships built in um, to manage some of that and make it really, really sim simple for us to manage and work with indoor data uh, across the system. And once your data is in that format, you can then start to leverage floor aware capabilities, whether that be on the desktop, you know, on the on a mobile device um, or on the web as well. We, we've got capabilities to support lots of different patterns of working. So, Rhino, we talked about some of the GIS trends um, with indoor mapping. Um, and I'm interested just to know a bit more of the, the technical background of, of how it actually works with uh, GPS indoors, so uh, an indoor positioning system. Could you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, sure, Sam. Uh, the thing is, you know, um, the map, the indoor map, already provides a lot of insights uh, and uh, has uh, advantages in monitoring processes or uh, you know, getting a better view on the use cases that are important for uh, you as a user or as a company even. Um, but uh, then there is the positioning system that comes on top of that. I uh, call that the icing on the cake, if I may, because uh, getting the actual position allows you to work in a completely different way with the mapping data that you have. It gives you that link uh, to an object that uh, is moved around or to a person that is moving around. And uh, that makes the whole thing complete and uh, allows insights that otherwise would not be possible. Now, with uh, the satellite signals, all that wouldn't work. So we do need alternative technologies. And in the beginning, um, there were a lot of experiments going on with uh, Wi-Fi, using Wi-Fi signals uh, to uh, get the position fix. Uh, that turned out uh, to be manageable, but not really good. And then came the beacons, actually iBeacons invented by Apple. Um, meanwhile, a standard protocol that is used by dozens, if not hundreds of companies worldwide. And by using these tiny little beacons, um, you can uh, 
put up a network inside of a building that allows you to navigate even if you do not have any access to satellite signals. As a matter of fact, both systems can even be used simultaneously. So if you have like uh, outside of a building, you still see the satellites and you move into the building and inside of the building, you receive the beacon signals and it gives you an accurate position, accurate enough for most of the use cases that you can think of. Um, I would say that was a real game changer a couple of years ago. And Reiner, you, you mentioned that uh, navigation, you know, as a, as a key use case for uh, indoor positioning and being able to get an accurate fix of where you are. One of the things I hear from, from customers as well is they want to leverage some of Esri's existing capabilities, such as, you know, field maps and, and data collection. Uh, and they want to be able to use these capabilities that they've become familiar with in the, let's say, outside world. They want to apply that to their indoor spaces too. And my understanding is that, you know, IPS, um, indoor positioning, allows you to, you know, basically use those apps inside as well, collect data, um, you know, edit data on the move. Um, is, that, is that the case with our solution? Uh, that was a big achievement over the last couple of years because uh, all the research that was done and uh, the development work that followed uh, was uh, uh, targeted at uh, including that functionality into every aspect of the ArcGIS family. And that is where we are right now. So that means you have that positioning information on hand, um, independent of what kind of Esri ArcGIS software you're using right now. And uh, that makes things definitely a lot easier. I mean, imagine an example of uh, um, uh, having a, a, a survey one, two, three uh, a solution at your hand that helps you uh, document your maintenance work. So you're moving around, you're looking for assets, you find the asset being guided on your way to the asset. Let's say that's, I don't know, a fire extinguisher and you just have to check it. Is it still okay? Uh, is there any, any uh, update needed or so? And... Uh, it's a it's a very integrated process. You've got my mind worrying now, Rainer, because I'm thinking of you know bringing ArcGIS Velocity into the mix as well, and you know being able to overlay uh, feeds from Velocity in your indoor maps too. Because essentially, once you have a location, um, you can start to track you know objects and people. Um, you can report incidents. Um, you can collect data with assets like fire extinguishers you just mentioned. It just behaves just like any other aspect of ArcGIS, it just so happens to be inside a building. And that's, I guess, with one of the things I mentioned at the beginning, I see in the future, there won't be this kind of difference between, oh, you're doing indoor mapping or you're doing outdoor mapping. It's just you're doing a mapping and you're applying it to a different space and a different geography. That's really interesting you touched on that, Ben. Uh, I, I was actually gonna ask you both, uh, and Ryan, we'll start with you. Uh, how do you envisage the future of indoor mapping? Because it feels like you know the journey that's been on uh, up until today and this point, it's you know, we, we're seeing quite a lot of emerging technologies in terms of sort of the next two, five years. How do you see indoors changing and, and being adopted? Sam, I do see that as a, a functionality that people just take for granted. They, they are not going to ask about that anymore. It will be so normal, like with a car where, you know, you have an engine inside and you just know the engine is going to work and move you forward. So. It's the same kind of thing. It, it's going to be so ubiquitous that uh, um, uh, the functionality will not even be asked for because 
um, well, it would bring you in trouble if you would take it away, you know? <laughs> so everyone expects uh, in the future, I would say, uh, that you have that piece of information at hand. And, and I think to add to that, you know, as the consumer market, this becomes the kind of norm and expectation that we use in our daily lives. That will carry on through into GIS as well within our customer base. We're, we're seeing the beginnings of it now. Um, and the more and more we get used to this in our kind of personal lives and the way we interact with the world, I think the demand in, in, in the GIS space will just continue to grow at an exponential rate uh, with wanting these capabilities for, for our buildings as well. Ben, you've talked about this uh, adoption of, of indoors and in, in that sort of seamless, we're not even going to know it exists kind of thing. How, how are you seeing examples of indoor mapping being used across the UK customers? Yeah, there's lots of different um, use cases, lots of different markets that this can fit. You know, it, it's about mapping buildings. There's lots of different um, sectors of the market, obviously, that use uh, and, and own and operate within large facilities. It could be a utility company with a water treatment plant. It could be an airport, a major train station, a university campus, a manufacturing plant. The list goes on. It's essentially anywhere or anyone who has a responsibility to manage a, a building, a campus, uh, a, a facility. I think one of the primary use cases I see is the notion of a single view of, of the, the building and the information and the people that reside in it. So, you know, lots of facility teams today use a combination of, of CAD, uh, in some cases, BIM data um, to manage their, their site maps. But, you know, CAD and BIM were never designed for the operational phase of a building's life cycle. They were designed by the architect to you know, decide where the steel and the, the glass partitions go. Um, they weren't designed for the ongoing maintenance and tracking assets and understanding where, you know, when things were last inspected. But building, you know, building operators and facility teams use them because it's the data that's readily available. Um, you know, I could go on for hours about the downsides of using CAD and, and working with CAD um, for you know, the management of a building. And then add to that that these facility teams have vast amounts of data, you know, um, you know, and often now real-time data related to buildings, uh, assets, uh, and as I, as I said earlier, people. Um, and these are often spread across various systems. So one of the biggest requirements initially you hear from customers is we just want to see this all in one place. We want to have all our information linked. And, and the common link between all of these things I've just described is geography, you know, geography in a different way than we normally think about it because it's, you know, in, inside a building, inside a room on, on a different floor. Um, but geography provides a glue to link all these systems together. And once you have that, then sharing and disseminating that information across the organization or with visitors or with the general public becomes so much more easier and more efficient. And then from there on, the use cases, I guess, become quite um, relevant to the different you know, industry that that we're working with. So in an airport, it might be um, around security and, and safety or, um, you know, experience for the visitors or managing the retail aspect of, of the airport. Um, for, a, for a power station, it's going to be about danger areas or how can we re reduce site visits to risky areas of the site. For a university, it might be managing all the different internal stakeholders. So you've got the the maths department and the physics department who, um, you know, are, are trying to procure more space because they've got a bigger intake of students next year. So the 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 use cases become quite um, different. But I guess the core use case of having a central view of all of the data um, is consistent across all of the customers. I'm rambling now because I could go on for hours about this, but you know, I think that's the core. It's about 
uh, having a single view of everything in one place that you know about the building and then therefore it allows you to manage with your kind of specific use cases in mind rambling on a podcast is a safe space ben you're okay (laughs) (laughs) i think you're spot on there's so many different examples of it and you know you just listing those scenarios are they're so natural to all of us and they make so much sense and i think you know the common theme that i'm seeing or hearing from talking to you both is that the 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 journey for indoors it's going to become so in- integrated with our life and so integrated with every different scenario that we're not even going to notice and and Rano, have you got any other examples of of where you've seen indoor mapping being used what i can say uh, sam is uh, that uh, uh, what ben just described this common operational picture as i love to call it uh, has an enormous value that common operational picture uh, allows to better understand what's going on, give you an overview on uh, processes, on activities, on things that are in a flow that are moving around. So uh, there is an abundance of examples, obviously, uh, but uh, we have seen uh, those advantages that this brings uh, on a commercial side, obviously, because you can streamline a process. We have seen that on a safety or security side, obviously. That is also an important aspect of knowing what's going on inside a building. Um, And, uh, well, in some cases, it's just convenience, you know. Even that is okay uh, because it makes our lives uh, just uh, a little easier. Now, examples. I mean, um, Ben, you you brought a lot of examples uh, that, that, that all are very valid. Um, I do like uh, these uh, complex situations where you have uh, uh, an integration of different systems. Like you start off at home, drive with your car to, uh, to let's say, a hospital, um, leave it there in the parking garage where, you know, at a certain point later you have to find back to your car. Then go into that place. You know where the exam is going to be taken. The doctor might even already see when you are approaching, so they know you are in time. That's a perfect, you know, smooth process running there. I think it's what we keep coming back to, though, Sam. It's about this seamless experience for the the end user, whether that's the building building manager, operator, or, or visitor. It's about a, se- a seamless experience. You know, I've never before referred to it as outdoor mapping. It, that We've had to start using that term because we're talking about the indoors. It's a new concept for lots of people in, in our industry. But, you know, it, it will eventually just become mapping and we can support both use cases. But it's something we keep coming back to because it's important. You know, uh, you shouldn't think about um, indoor mapping being any different to what you've already been able to do with, um, you know, ArcGIS and, and, and mapping technologies for a long, long time. It's just applying it to a different use case um, or a different a different geography, sorry. Um, and that comes with some of the, the challenges that we've described on this podcast so far. You know, the ability to connect to, to GPS, uh, GPS satellites is limited. Therefore, we have to look for different infrastructure uh, and managing that data is, is slightly different as well. Um, so we have different ways of supporting that through different data models. And, and you know, um, statistics tell us that... Uh... Um, the the average person spends around seventy percent of their time, if not more, inside buildings. So uh, if if you uh, if you then consider how much we have missed in the past, that only thirty percent of the time of our daily work or life or whatever 
was available for reasonably good positioning. Uh, and now we are hopefully approaching 100% at a certain point in time. Yeah, it definitely feels like I've spent a lot more than 70% of my time indoors in the last couple of years with uh, <laughs> various lockdowns. But um, yeah, no, I trust you on your statistics, uh, Reiner. Unfortunately true, yeah. <laughs> That's so interesting to hear from you both. I, th I And I think that wraps up for today's episode. I think, um, you know, I've definitely learned so much talking to you both. You've, you've, you've got such different experiences of indoors, but actually it feels like we've both arrived at the sort of same understanding and, and where indoors is going in the sort of next few years. It feels like a, an exciting technology and exciting space to be in. So yeah, thank you both so much for joining us uh, on today's episode. No, thank, thank you. Thank you, Sam. It's been a pleasure to uh, finally be on this podcast. I've heard lots of great things from colleagues. It's nice to finally be on there and, and great to have the opportunity to chat with um, uh, Gandalf himself or, or uh, Rainer here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, Sam and uh, Ben, it was just a pleasure. Thank you for having me today. And uh, yeah, uh, I hope that we were able to share our joint excitement about uh, indoors capabilities uh, and all the aspects that brings with it in the future. And I guess thanks to everyone who's been listening to today's episode. Hopefully you've been tuning into the whole season. Um, there's lots of good content across uh, all, all of the episodes, so please do sh be sure to check them out. Subscribe and, uh, and let us know what you think. We have uh, an email at podcast at esriuk.com. So drop us an email, let us know what you think of the series, uh, and thanks again for listening. The views of the presenters may differ from those of Esri UK. my doorbell going so i'm afraid i'm gonna to have to stop there i'll be back in two minutes i'm just gonna pause it yeah because we need him now too <laughs>